You're listening to The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Wealth Standard Radio. This is episode 129, and we are going to be talking about banking today. And uh, it is, it's going to be an interesting conversation. We're going to get a little philosophical on you, uh, but I think banking is really one of those things that most people do not understand. And uh, evidence of that is with one of the probably most influential economists, uh, John Maynard Keynes, who says, not one man in a million understand how the banking system works. So I have a good friend of mine, and he is not a stranger to the Wealth Standard Radio. Uh, Ryan Lee is here with me. Ryan, what's up, buddy? Hey, guys. How you doing? It's December. Excited to be talking to you. Cold outside. Freezing. Yeah. But it's warm in here. It's warm in here. Banking conversation is going to warm it right up. <laughs> awesome. All right. So uh, episode 128 and 127 are definitely worth checking out if you haven't listened to them already. Uh, last week, we uh, uh, had the opportunity to talk with Jason Hartman. That was a very stimulating conversation. And also the week before, Tom Wheelwright was on the show. So uh, definitely go back and check at least those two ep- two episodes. And if you have time, there are a lot more. All right, Ryan. So banking. I mean, this is, this is something we talk about a lot. And I think it's something that people deal with on a daily basis. But what I wanted to do is essentially kind of reverse engineer the actual activities of banking and relate it more to life first and then segue into the financial side of things. Because in the end, it's like, the financial side of things is is really what we deal with, but in the end, finances is only a result of something, right? You only get money after you've done something. Money just doesn't appear, right? It doesn't just show up in your bank account. You know, your kids think that because, you know, kids say, "Oh, you just swipe your debit card and money will suddenly appear in the, you know, they'll help buy this or buy that." And they see the, you know, external things, but they don't really understand what goes in to the money making. Uh, but again, it, it's that going in, it's that activity, it's that behavior that really produces results. And then we'll get into uh, interest, we'll get into deposits, we'll get into going into debt. All of the fun stuff, all huh? The, all the fun stuff all that right, everybody loves to roll. talk about. But I think this angle really helped me because it, you know, and and uh, it really started with, with my father. My father uh, would always... Use, have these kind of abstract, weird ways of looking at things that really never made any sense until now, unless I'm until I'm an adult. But I always talked about making deposits and withdrawals, right? And he says, and, and I and I I've started to teach my my children this to an extent. It's you know really when you're creating value, uh, that value could be anything, right? And that in a sense is kind of a universal deposit. And when you create that that type of value, yeah, there may not be like this monetary value to it, okay, but there is a value to it. So how as I look at it, and it's it's big with like my my spousal relationship. I I'm not gonna say that I, you know, associate banking to like the success of of, of my marriage or what I do in my marriage. Um, which is, I wouldn't say it's optimally successful, but I've been <laughs> married for 12 years, for 12 years, which, you know, and to a, a, a Latin woman. So it's, you know, the spices in the food, but also in the personality. So, <laughs> and it is, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's been awesome for me, but I've really looked at my relationship with, with her and with my kids and with business and with friends and with co- colleagues. And it's, you know, you do make deposits, you create value, a comment, or a, a compliment, I'm sorry, could be uh, a value, right? Yeah. Giving roses to your, to your wife, um, you know, doing the dishes or, or cleaning up the house, you know, doing something of appreciation, really understanding, you know, there's a famous, you know, book that, that uh, I love, we've mentioned on here before, The Five Love Languages. And it's really understanding kind of where, where your relationship is and what, what can you do to create a deposit? What can you do to, to put something there? And the more deposits you make, the more withdrawals you can make. Absolutely. Right, but oftentimes people wanna make withdrawals, right? They want this, they want that, they want someone to do here and do this. Right, but if the if the deposit isn't made, 
right? What happens? If there's no deposits, there's insufficient funds, what are you going to have to do, right, in order to get something from somebody else? You're going to have to make an emotional deposit or many emotional deposits. Otherwise, your your account goes negative, right? And if you yeah. make a withdrawal without a balance, an yeah. emotional balance being there, there's emotional repercussions of doing that. Yeah. And with banking, like what, when you sign up for a bank account, what does the, you know, the banker gives you a savings account, gives you a checking account, but they also give you something else, which is a overdraft card, right? Yeah. Overdraft line of credit. So if you look at, you know, deposits and withdrawals, if you don't have sufficient funds, you have to go into debt, right? And in order to go into debt, what do you need? You need credit. Okay, and where does credit? And that can go on a whole different conversation because some people have good credit, some people have bad credit, but it's not just like good or bad, it's the amount of credit, right? Can Donald Trump go out and you know borrow half a billion dollars? For sure. I mean, he's probably built up that credibility. Could I do that? Could you do that? Probably no way. Right. So it's it really comes down to what you've done that builds that credit. Because sometimes, you know, it, especially in life, you know, we're gonna have down, we're gonna be down and out. Right. We're going to have struggles with this aspect of things. We're going to have some physical ailment. We're going to have, you know, whatever in business or at work or with a colleague or with your community or with whatever. You're going to have those times where you need to essentially withdraw everything and go into debt. And that's where credit becomes insanely valuable. So even credit is valuable to an extent. So in life, I mean, look, look at, you know, how we deal with each other, you know, you and I as friends uh, and also colleagues and look at how, you know, you deal with your children and with your, with your wife. As you look at this kind of deposit and withdrawal conversation, like how do you associate that maybe with some successes and failures that you've had? Oh, absolutely. I, I think it all comes down to your your perception of that relationship. And it, you always have to make more deposits than you are going to make withdrawals. But we're human. We're, we're, we're going to make mistakes. And so you always want to build up a, per, a positive value within that emotional account. And I think that goes with everyone that you meet, friends, work associates, spouse, kids, everyone like that. I mean, it really simply comes down to you putting more effort into a relationship than you extract out of it. Yeah. And I think, you know, you look at taking and withdrawing, right? I think as as a society, you know, we're we're in relationships and that's what really defines who we are. You know, right? if we if we were if we weren't a husband, if we weren't a father, if we weren't um a brother, if we weren't a a work colleague or an associate, if we didn't have that type of identity, we'd be this, you know, this theoretical ego, right? Which we didn't have necessarily an identity. So our relationships, our community really gives us an identity. And in that we recognize that there is exchange back and forth between human beings. And that exchange is really what helps build. And there's stuff about you that I don't have, right? There's passions, there's intelligence, there's drive, there's ideas, right? That I don't, that, that you have that I don't have, right? But then guess what? I have certain things that you don't have. So it's really in the collaboration and the exchange where we both benefit from one another. Because I may want to you know, go into debt with you or go and you know, have some credit so you can help me, but then vice versa. So I think if you really look at the, you know, the, uh, the, the interdependence that we have in that regard and really exchanging to build, you have to really understand this, this deposit and withdrawal idea. And so in the end, it's kind of like, you know, we've talked about this before where money as money is a byproduct of something it's a it's a byproduct of value and you know it doesn't come before it comes after you create something and then you're paid so looking at what we have control over in the end yeah we're going to have to make withdrawals we're going to have to go into to debt but really i think that the thing that we have the most control over is the idea behind creating because there's an infinite amount of creation that can take place and look at how the world works i mean look at all the technology that we have and it's always improving it's always getting ba- uh, better the value is 
always going up. So looking at, you know, maybe as you've transitioned throughout your life when it came to, you know, school and it came to your upbringing, then it came to uh, your profession and what you were doing. How do you associate this idea behind creating value in the money that you've earned? Well, I think it totally comes down to finding, as you mentioned, a need that needs to be fulfilled, right? I mean, because I have unique skills, talents, and abilities, there's others that don't possess that. And if I can organize those unique talents, skills, and abilities in such a way that will fill the void, if you will, or create value for someone else, then that that's really what it's all about. It's about inner... It's about exchanging our value one with another. And the the better we're able to do that, the more value always comes back to us, right? If we go out and we find a need out there, whether it's, you know, a financial need or an emotional need or a personal need or an educational need, and we can fill that and create true tangible value, people are always willing to exchange value back. And it doesn't always have to be in the sense of money. It might be, you know, a favor for a favor, or it might be, you know, I sell you something and you exchange money to do that. But it, that that's really what it's all about is filling the the void by creating value. So let me ask you kind of a, a setup question, maybe kind of a trick question. When do those opportunities exist? Every day, all the time. And the more the more we can start to seek those out, the more value we bring to the world. And, and you know, as you mentioned, money is always an indicator of value. The more we can give, the more we can produce, the more problems we can solve, inevitably the more money will flow your way. Yeah, and it's interesting. I think you look you look out there and there's this there's I there's this idea, and I don't want to get off on a tangent, but there's this idea that there should be a fixed money supply. And I'm not gonna get into like, you know, fractional reserve banking and a gold standard or some sort of standardization or a flexible money supply. I'm not gonna get into that. But in the end, the idea is that there's an infinite amount of money, right? And you just basically said it that because there's an infinite amount of value that can be created and those opportunities always exist, right? It means that there's an infinite amount of money. So really when you look at opportunities, like where for an, for an, an average normal individual, like where let's start maybe discussing some of those opportunities, right? Because in the end, if, if money really does follow, follow value, um, if it comes after you've created value, then your lens of life, your paradigm, your perspective should look at you know, your current situation and try to identify, right? Look through the glasses and identify opportunities, right? So in a normal situation, like how have you, you know, maybe associated the ability to, to earn more, maybe as you went through kind of your corporate career and then, you know, as you transitioned here, like where, where did that dynamic uh, exist in your, in some of the situations you were in? Well, and that's a really good point. I think we need to break the paradigm of what we're taught traditionally, because we're taught to go to school to create value for one person, our employer, and then to shut our brain off after that and go home and sit on the couch and watch TV and, and, and you know, extract and take value from others. That, that's really what the world teaches us. It tra- it, we're trained, taught, and educated to do one thing and one thing as good as we have to do it and then go home mm-hmm. and be done, Yep. right? So as soon as we can start to break that paradigm and see infinite possibilities and infinite number of ways to create value all around us, that's the sooner that, you know, we can start to change our reality in, in the world. So for me, when I was in the corporate world and I realized the only way I could create value is by, you know, working with my boss and doing the things that I was supposed to do. And that might lead to a promotion, right? But then I was creating, you know, it was just that, that kind of self-perpetuating cycle where there wasn't, you know, much to do there. But as soon as I started looking externally, um, I, I got into real estate. And you and I, we, we first met when I got into real estate. And, you know, you might think of real estate as a financial transaction, but real estate is really an emotional transaction. You find a piece of property that someone is going to need or want, and you want to fix it up. You want to make it nice. You want to make it a home for someone that otherwise wouldn't have a home unless you provided that value for them. Mm-hmm. And when I first got into real estate, I did a lot of lease option type of properties. So I help people buy real estate 
through a rental type of agreements where they could use their, their rent as a way to you know make a down payment over time to buy the property. And so it was a way to create value for people that couldn't get it from a normal you know traditional savings account or a bank account. I was able to step in and create that value. And I had a lot of success doing real estate in that way. Yeah. And I think that's a great, that's a great example. And I think real estate is one of those assets that it's kind of a plastic mold, right? Because an asset can be turned into many different things within, within a property. And, you know, we have a, a friend that was uh, at the Cashflow Wealth Summit, Gene Guarino. Uh, and, you know, Cashflow Wealth Summit, if, those, if you guys are, are listening or hearing that for the first time, you can, you know, you can still go on and register and see all the videos for, for free, but it's cashflowwealthsummit.com. But Gene Guarino, he had this amazing idea where he would basically turn single family homes into assisted living facilities, yeah. right? And he'd be able to like double, triple rents. Now, obviously expenses went up a little bit, but the margins were, you know, not, you know, not parallel to the increase in rent. So it's, it's you know, he was able to turn just a normal property into something like that. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, our, our buddy, Sean Fleming, uh, he, I was talking to him, you know, a few months ago and we were talking about a property that, that I have that has a hu- huge lot and it's already zoned as a, as a duplex or a multifamily. And so he told me about, you know, in California, one of his first properties is he really understood the, you know, the, the plat map and he understood, you know, where the, the borders were and what it was zoned for and some other things. And, and he bought, he bought that property and, and basically developed another section of the property and doubled his money in a very short period of time. So it's really, it comes down to, if you're looking at the world that it can be improved upon, there can be value that can be added to really any situation. Anything. That's the lens that's going to make you wealthy. And I think in any cir- circumstance, it could be even just kind of a nine to five, right? In a nine to five, there's a business there. There's somebody that's paying you. And you look at business processes. I mean, th- you even look at some of our processes. We're constantly trying to innovate and trying to do more with less. There's so much technology out there, most of which I'm, I'm oblivious to. But there are certain tools or certain things that really could, could help. It's helped our business, but it can help other businesses as well. And if you really look at you know your employment or your situation and figure out a way, Hey, here, boss, you know, you know, I came across this. I thought it would be a cool idea. You know, let, let me know what you think. It's creating value, right? It's finding a void and fulfilling it. And you know, that boss is probably so focused on what he's doing that he doesn't see it. Right. And so you can find value anywhere. And and that's really what the the banking aspect comes down Mm -hmm. to is it making more deposits in anything you do in any relationship, in anything that you touch, so that when you need it, there's credits to be taken. There's withdrawals that are that, are, that you're unable to take, and you're going to get dividends too, right? Yeah. Because it's like if you build up your you build up that storehouse of value, this person, that person, you introduce that guy to this guy, and you figure out a way to help this person or that person. You're not really going into it and thinking that you know, knowing that you're going to get you know a direct transaction from him. You might get it from somewhere else, but the idea in the end is you have optimal control over this. And the fact remains that you know your mind has infinite possibilities, which means that the ability to create value has infinite possibilities. What goes around always comes around, right? And sometimes it's hard to to look at a relationship in that way to say, okay, I'm going to give you this and not expect anything in return. But the more we can can train ourselves to always give, 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 to, to provide value, to do, 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 
it, it always comes back to us. And it might not be in that specific relationship or on that specific transaction that we get a, a you know, reciprocation, mm-hmm. but it'll come from somewhere completely unexpected. That's, you know, the universe is a universe of balance. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I know we're getting off into the, into the you know, fluffy stuff here. But that's really what it's all about. It's, yeah. that, it's, it's all about providing more, leaving the earth a better place than when you arrived. Yep. And it's always possible, yeah. right? So, so in the end, I mean, looking at how this relates to finances, has everything to do with finances, right? Because where does it start? It starts with you doing something, you creating something, you being there, you helping in this regard or that regard. All of that value is is profound. Now, sometimes, you know, in a work environment or a professional environment, you know, those opportunities to have, you know, financial remuneration or reciprocity exist. At the same time, you know, all of this relates to your relationships, relationships with your wife, relationships with your kids, okay? Because you're always making deposits and withdrawals in those relationships. And, you know, there, that all affects the way you are at work. It always, it, it, you know, all of our relationships, regardless of where they are, if there's an imbalance there, it kind of shifts the balance in other areas of life too. And you look at health, right? I wrote down a note <clears throat> that this idea of banking happens in health. Right. If you if you make uh, if you withdraw more than you put in, what happens? You're gonna get sick. You're gonna get sick. Right. You're gonna get unhealthy. Your energy levels are gonna go down. The way you look, feel, and that affects everything. Right. And so, really looking at how this you know deposit withdrawal idea relates to all areas of life, very very similar. And all the areas of life that really influence your finances, right, should, in my opinion, should be a focus first. And if you can have that balance, it really puts you in the position to be profoundly influential and valuable, which is going to produce financial wealth. And a lot of the th- stuff that we talk about, you know, as, as uh, you know, some of our strategies is, you know, with, with the unique financial vehicles that we use, it comes with guaranteed financing, right? And this financing is... I've seen it used and abused. I've seen it used and utilized for profound wealth building, but I've seen it abused as well because it's very flexible. It's guaranteed, right? And all you have to do is capitalize the account in order to you know, take advantage of this financing. And what we teach clients, uh, especially for um, you know, newer clients to really help with the behavior side of things is we teach them to pay back with interest, mm-hmm. right? And so that interest side of things, I want to have a brief conversation there because most individuals really don't understand um, or don't value interest, right? And so you look at interest, what's interest, right? Interest is, you know, you you borrow $1,000 and from somebody who charged you 10% interest, right? And, you know, it's going to be, if it's one year annualized interest, it's going to be, you know, what are you going to pay back? A hundred bucks, yeah. right? So the idea of interest, why does it exist? Where did it originate? We're not going to go back to like, you know, back at the, you know, the, the um, where they called the change tables back in, you know, back in the Middle East where the, all this stuff originated, uh, or Italy, I think I think banking originally it originated like in Italy or something. Anyway, but the idea behind interest is that something was done for the money that is being lent, right? What was done? A person basically did what we've just been explaining for the last, you know, I don't even know how long, <laughs> but it essentially put people put forth an effort, right? They earned something, they created value, and now they have that amount, and they don't need to withdraw it. Okay, they saved it up. And it's there. They don't need to withdraw it. So what did they start to do? They started to lend it to somebody that needed it, that really couldn't uh, wait or create the value right away in order to have that money. Okay. So what they did is they charged interest. They charged money above and beyond what they were lending. Because what did that represent? Represented charging for the value that they'd already created. Letting someone else tap into that value that you would put the time, effort, and energy into creating. Bingo. Right. Because the effort and value were put into it already. Yeah. Okay. It was there. 
they clearly proved it because they had the money and they lent it. And now you look at interest being paid back. The person that is borrowing didn't have to go through that effort right away. They go through it after the fact. Well, think about it for one of the biggest purchases of most people's life, which is a home, right? How many people could actually buy a home if they had to create all of the value first and then go buy the home? I mean, the home ownership would be a very, very small percentage of, of the population. Exactly. But banks, they've kind of aggregated a whole lot of value, right, through the services that they offer. They're able to let you access that value. They're going to do some credit checks and things like that, but they're going to charge you for accessing the value that they've created. Yep. And that's going to enable you to live in the house and, and pay a price to do that. Yep. And so that's where interest originates, right? And so looking at what we do, when you capitalize these accounts and you're borrowing against it and using it for specific things, that interest, right, that you're charging yourself um, is essentially representing the activities that you're going to make with that money. And it holds you accountable to be productive with that money. Okay, because what would happen if that money, uh, you know, was in a bank account? You'd make the withdrawal. There'd be no money there. Yeah. Right. And so, obviously, you want to be productive enough and have an accountability system so that you take that money and you're more valuable uh, with it. I always, I always like to tell my clients, uh, reference the movie Spider-Man, right? When Spider-Man got all of his power and uh, his, his uncle, I can't remember what his uncle's name was, but when, when his uncle was dying and uh, Peter Parker ran up to his uncle, his uncle said, hey, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And that's the same thing that we have with our policy. We've already created the value once, right? And we want that value to grow and compound over time. And if we don't approach that with a responsible strategy, we can diminish and destroy that value as we use this system. So you've got to approach it with a lot of responsibility responsibility. What I like to encourage people to do is as they're, you know, as they're considering using their policy, think about it in two different ways. If they're going to use their policy as a consumer, right? If they're going to finance a trip or a home remodel or something that doesn't, they're they're not necessarily buying an asset. Those are good things to put, you know, to use your policy to finance, Mm -hmm. but you want to, as you're talking about, associate an interest rate with paying back that policy loan. Mm -hmm. And it's a way to systematically save more money throughout a course of time, but it's really valuing the work that you've done and the, 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 cash that you're accessing within your policy. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, is when we, 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 I mean, a lot of these principles, like we try to hold as close to us as, as possible and really live as, as, as best we can really believing in this. And we do, and we've done it for, for years. And we've had discussions before in regards to just banking and wall street and, and the banking, you know, traditional banking industry. And it, I can't remember which documentary it was. I think it was it was Inside Job, and they were, uh, which is a, a documentary that was it was done based on the the credit crisis and the crash of you know two thousand eight two thousand nine, and uh, and I guess into two thousand ten. And one of the things that always uh, sticks with me, right, is one of the the you know economists that was talking basically said that in the banking sector or Wall Street, there's really not any value created. Right, and they're basically just skimming off of the value that's created, and then because they were comparing the technology, uh, the technology companies who actually create something that is of tangible value, and then they were analyzing, you know, Wall Street, the banking industry, and investment banks, and so forth. And it's interesting because really the the situation we're in right now, and that's where you went to the the real estate side of things, is a lot of financing exists, and unfortunately, it's not you know in the traditional banking sense because traditional banking back in the day with the Medici, Medici family, which is the original you know banking family, I think it was in Italy, they, you know, they basically lent out what they had, Mm -hmm. right? So they had it, 
they lent it out and they collected the principal and interest. But today our banking system works much differently, right? Because of all the accounts that they have, all the aggregation of money that they have, um, if they have a billion dollars, right? They don't have to, they, they don't just lend out the billion dollars, right? They, they lend out about 900 million of it, right? And they keep essentially 100 million as a reserve requirement. So essentially what they're doing right, is lending out other people's money. And if everybody would come and, and call that note due or, or withdraw the money at the same time, that's when there would be a bank run or a bank failure. Yeah. So that's where the Federal Reserve stepped in and created this credit against that happening. And that's really what is kind of dil- diluted, you know, the value of money, created inflation and created, you know, asset bubbles and, and uh, misuse or malinvestment. And that's really where we find ourselves uh, today. And that's oftentimes, you know, I've made comments before that people really, um, haven't understood uh, because of just a, a simple knowledge of what we're talking about today, but it's the idea behind the immorality of banking, right? Because they're basically lending out money that they didn't earn and they're collecting money on money that they didn't earn. And uh, it, it totally defeats, it defeats the purpose because here you are Americans going out nine to five, you know, they're small business owners that are toiling and putting it at risk, their family and their assets and their, you know, their reputation. And, you know, they have that money there and they lend it out and they make investments, right? They really put forth the effort. They create that value. But you look at banking, right? That doesn't exist. They've just been kind of given the permission, right? With the certificate saying you can lend money and you can lend more than you have on deposit. And it's it's an interesting dynamic because what that's done is it, it's really devalued uh, the value of money. It's devalued the purpose behind which money existed in the first place. And it really devalued um, our viewpoint of money because what has happened is we don't value money as much and what does that mean does it it means that we're not valuing ourselves as much and that's really why the entrepreneurial spirit i think is one of the reasons why it has suffered a little bit and it's it's unfortunate i think if individuals really understood the the true value of the exchange and the really the true you know reason for banking in the first place as well as interest then a lot of the the fiasco that currently exists in our society when it comes to finances um, I don't think it would be near as bad as it is right now. I agree. And, and kind of going back to the policy loans, if you really understand the true value of money and, and everything that goes into creating that money, when you take a policy loan, that's why it's it's essential that you pay it back with an interest rate because you're valuing the the, the money that you created and the, the, the ability to access and utilize that capital today, mm-hmm. but still grow the asset over time. I mean, that's why you know, you never want to approach your policy as a consumer. You always want to approach it as a, as a producer. How can you grow that policy value? How can you utilize that capital, but subsequently grow the value of your cash value along the way? And that's, it's, it's just a fundamental shift going, you know, away from traditional fractional reserve banking that we were just talking about into personalized banking, treating it with much more responsibility, but having a systematic strategy to both use capital and grow capital simultaneously. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the books that we sometimes recommended, recommend is <clears throat> how privatized banking really works, yeah. which is written by um, an economist named Bob Murphy and, uh, and, and Carlos Lara. Yeah. And what it does, it, really, it talks about the the industry that we set up these accounts in, which is the insurance industry, which doesn't participate in fractional reserve banking, right? They don't have this backstop um, against you know their deposits with the Federal Reserve. Um, they they don't operate like that. They're on a hundred percent reserve requirement, and it's interesting because you look at the way in which. Wall Street uses their money, banking industry uses their money, and how the insurance industry uses their money. 
it's much different. Yeah. And it's it's been really a cool to see of how, you know, meticulous they are with their books and how they really look at the actuarial tables or how they determine risk, which is essentially actuarial tables. And they go they go to the nines as far as data really to to protect the integrity of that money. And that's one of the things that is pointed out in in that book, which I think is is hugely valuable. But one of the points, you know, that you that you made is is spot on. You know, really what you know the the system that we use uh, it really helps people identify with the value of money and also the true value behind how money grows. Mm-hmm. Because we encourage that people do borrow, but they borrow it to increase wealth. They borrow it to be more productive, whether it's by paying less interest or whether it's by taking it and increasing wealth more so than they had it before. But I think really, you know, in the end, wealth is is very personal because your wealth really is a representation of, of who you are and the value that you've created. And if you don't have a lot of money, what's that an indication of? And you haven't created enough value. Yep. And you need to get off your seat and go find ways to create value in this infinite abundant world with infinite possibilities. Go find one of them. Write a book. Go Go, go sweep your neighbor's you know, front porch. Yeah. Go fix someone's car. Go become an entrepreneur on the side. I mean, aside, the internet has made it so you can do business with virtually anyone, anywhere, at any time. Yep. It's interesting. So when, when Jason, so last week's interview was with Jason, Jason Hartman. And uh, him and I, I mean, he's, he's a client of ours and, and, and him and I had, um, you know, never met face to face until this past summer in, in Dallas. But we, we've, ta- we've talked a number of times. But we, you know, we were at a real estate event and we had this discussion around uh, robotics, right? And we were talking about like, you know, robots are going to take over transportation. They're going to take over food service. They're going to take over retail, really, and really kind of put a lot of type of workers out of business. So we were kind of going through and, and, and trying to kind of predict what was going to happen here, what was going to happen here. And, you know, what would, what would happen and what would people do? How would they survive? Where would they go get jobs if they're untrained, if they're just used to doing labor intensive jobs? And it was fascinating. The conclusion I came to at the end was there is the X factor, right? And what's the X factor? You. Yeah. Ingenuity. What's the ingenuity? It's the ideas that have not been created yet. Yeah. Right? Because I think we operate in a world where we think that everything is just absolute. The way it exists right now is a way it's going to exist forever. Right? But think about trying to explain the internet to, to a person 75 years ago. Yeah. Or right? an iPad. Or an iPad. Right? And there's people around there, you know, 75 years old. If you tried to explain that to them, they'd be like, like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, really, right? Yeah. So we look at you know where we're at right now, and and you know in our world, it's things are amazing, and we look at what's going to happen in the future. And the X factor that I came to the conclusion of is: listen, you know, you, you have these robots that you know they might start driving cars. They have self driving cars and trucks and airplanes and you know whatever, right? What are people going to do? Who knows? Right. But solve that problem. But the problem is going to be solved. Yeah. Right. People just don't sit on their laurels. It's natural to really produce. Right. And I think in the end, you know, if you, if you make the connection behind wealth and recognize that the possibilities of creating wealth are infinite, then you're going to look at the world differently. And I think just that is the, that is the best first step. And that first step is essentially looking at where your opportunities are right now. Right. That's all that you have. When you wake up tomorrow morning, there are opportunities that didn't exist today. And you can capitalize those and create more value than you did yesterday. And yeah. that can happen every single day. And if you go into the world with that mindset, then when you do achieve your wealth, it's going to be done so for the right reasons. Absolutely. That's a really good point that you bring up. And you know, honestly, if we bring this back to using your cash value, that's one of the things I love about this concept is there are so many ways that you can use your cash value. And if you use it productively, you can go out and help solve some of these problems. But, you know, if we get, if we compare your cash value to traditional finance, 
whenever you put your money somewhere and you want it to grow with the expectation of growth, really what you're doing with most investments is you're locking up that dollar, right? If you stick your money into, let's just say a 401k, because that's what most people use. You put your money into a 401k at age 30, you've essentially said goodbye to that money for years and years and years and years. And if you want to go create value, the very thing that's inhibiting you from going out and buying real estate or going out and starting a business Mm -hmm. is that little thing that you call an investment, that 401k, because your money is now locked up within that investment. If you take that to the the other uh, other end of the equation there, if you use a policy and you put that dollar in a policy, if it's built with cash value and you then want to go out and solve a problem, create a business, buy rental real estate, even take your, your family on a vacation that you wouldn't have otherwise done, you can access that policy, still get the compound growth, approach it with responsibility and a strategy of how to pay that back. And there's a whole system that we teach people to do that. But you can use your money today when it's most valuable to you to do whatever is the most relevant thing to do with that money today. And what's crazy is that look at what your life is going to be like and what you're going to be able to produce. Yeah. Okay. Because if you improve your life, that is now the compounding, right? Because if you take money out and use money right now, as opposed to putting it off for the future, right? That money right now is going to change you right now. Yeah. And that is a compound effect because you're going to be changed once, then it's proof that you can change again. Once you change it again, it's proof you can change again. And so looking at, you know, even even kind of the non, you were talking about investing in real estate or invest, I mean, it's really not necessarily just the financial assets that you can finance with the concept, right? You can finance the other assets that you have, which is your family. Yeah. Going on a vacation and creating memories and making a massive, massive deposit in your marital bank account, your child bank account, what's that going to do to how you show up at work. Oh, that's right? huge. What's it, what's it going to do? For your family life. For your family yeah. too, right? And what what can your kids turn, you know, what, how will they grow up and how will they look at you differently? And I and right now, you know, my, and this is being kind of vulnerable, my, my oldest daughter is, you know, 11 years old and she's like, I think two years ahead of where she should, <laughs> should be. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's one of those things where these are moments where there can be a profound influence made on children. Uh, and that could change the dynamic of the rest of your life. Yeah. And it's essentially, you know, it's 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 sad sometimes to think of how people really look at their 401k or look at their qualified plans, the money that's being put off in, into the future. And they don't recognize that there are financial costs to it, but there's also massive, massive personal opportunity costs. And right there, without liquidity, without access to capital, without that financing that comes with, you know, the strategy that we teach, the, there, there exists the there does not exist the ability to optimally improve your situation. Well, you cut off your creativity. If the answer is just no, yeah. then your mind turns off. Exactly. But if you're, if the answer is yes, but how, then your mind turns on and says, okay, yes, but how do I facilitate it? And it, and you you bring up your daughter. I think this is something that we teach people all the time. You know, for how to use this concept for a, a family banking, I guess, if you will, yeah. right? How can you use this to teach lessons to your family? Uh, my oldest son, he's nine, and we started taking policy loans with him about two years ago, right? And up to that point, the answer was usually no. Hey, I want this. No. <laughs> it's usually the answer with most in most families. Yeah, right? it, was, it was just no. And so we, we decided to start giving our, our, our son, you know, an allowance, if you will, and, and kind of helping him understand the, the opportunity to create value and exchanging value for money, right? So we gave him a whole job list of things that he could do around the house and earn money. And then we decided to, to build in, you know, this, this policy loan provision on top of it. So he has a policy, he's got cash value and he can access that cash value, but it's really the family value. And so when he wanted to access that cash value, it was to buy a bike, right? But he had to have a business plan, if you will, in this, in, in a seven-year-old's mind 
a strategy of how he was going pay to back. pay back that policy loan, that, that value over time, using his jobs that he was already doing. And we did this. It was kind of fun. We brought him home and we calculated the cost and how long it would take him to save up his allowance that he was earning to buy that bike. Mm-hmm. It was going to take him like a year and a half. That right there switched a trigger in his mind, and he realized the work and the effort that goes into creating money. Yep. And then we opened up a whole other possibility to him to say, okay, here's extra jobs you can do. Here's ways that you can create value for other people. And he took that to the nines. Not only did he do all these little extra jobs, he, he ran a cookie stand, baked cookies, sold them on the, on the corner. He built a Lego pinball machine. You know my son, he's yeah. really into Legos. Yeah. He built a Lego pinball machine and took it to his grandma's work and charge people to play it. But it was such a sophisticated <laughs> yeah. machine. He earned $30 doing that. So he learned tangible lessons of creating value and using that value to achieve his goals and purposes. He's now compounded that, that knowledge and education into using it to buy an iPad and, and other things that he's used his policy to do. So using this concept, it's not just a compounding your financial reserves. It's compounding your knowledge, your expertise, your ability to use skill sets to to just become a better person and make more deposits in life in general than withdrawals. But look at, I mean, going to compounding, right? Compounding is a function of, of time, yeah. uh, time, money, and interest, right? And so you look at him learning those, those skills right now, what that's going to do. Because oftentimes people don't recognize the value of something until they have to actually earn it, yeah. right? And the earning, again, goes back to everything we've been talking about today, which is the value comes first. The earning comes in value, 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 create, create, create. And, you know, we have a, we have, there's, there's a client of ours that, you know, recently decided to sell his, his business. Uh, and it was a side business, right? He had a, he's a, in the medical industry. He was, he was, I think he was a colleague of yours. Yeah. And, you know, he, he essentially wanted to, you know, be entrepreneurial and create like this, uh, this printing business. And, and he realized that it was fun. He liked to do it. He liked to do the graphic side of things, but then he realized the money he was making versus the time or relative to the time it was taking to make it. He was like, this is stupid. Right. And he looked at like how not stupid, but essentially it wasn't a good trade. It wasn't a trade. It wasn't a trade off. Yeah. And I think if we start to really recognize the time that we have, which is the only, you know, really the only true valuable commodity is, you know, what are we, what are we trading our time for? Yeah. And in the end, you know, you have to be leisurely, you have to have fun, you have to have, you know, be entertained. But in a sense, one of the most fulfilling things that you can do is, is produce as a human being. We're all different. Right. And, but in the end, what we don't have right now isn't a function of our, um, our current circumstances. Right, it's a, it's basically a function of how we're going to take our current circumstances and make it so that we can have what we what we desire, what we want. But in the end, these are all universal principles, and they apply to every aspect of life. They apply to your apply to your relationships, right? Deposits and withdrawals, going into debt, uh, repaying. Uh, it also is building credit, but it goes into your health, right? It goes into your business. It goes into uh, the the workplace, right? If you're just an, uh, in a nine to five working for another business owner, it relates to literally probably everything in life. I would, I would, I don't know if it doesn't relate to something. Yeah. It has to relate to everything. Well, I mean, think of the holiday season, right? I mean, this whole idea of Santa Claus coming to visit you, are you on the naughty list or the nice <laughs> list? It's all about deposits and withdrawals, yeah. right? And if you're on the naughty list, you've been taking more withdrawals in life and in your relationships than you've been making deposits. Yep. That's true value creation. Make more deposits in anything you do and value will always follow that. Whether value is money or value is an added relationship or an opportunity or whatever, or just even a good feeling inside. Value always follows deposits. Yep. In the end, it, I think as we kind of conclude conclude our thoughts today, this has been a cool, you know, cool, cool conversation. Um, but you know, the, the financial side of things is just a part of a part of life. It's a very important part. 
uh, because we live in a modern society where, where money is the tool of exchange. And it, in the end, I don't know if there's many people that would say that they don't want more money. Yeah. And I, and I believe really the paradigm shift that we try to facilitate in, in clients is to, is to really recognize uh, the fact of, you know, money just doesn't appear. Money comes from who you are and it's a representation of who you are. And once you figure out that you right now are producing at a specific level, because that's the value that you're creating and that there is the ability to create more and more and more and more, that's where the light bulb goes on. That's where the lenses and the glasses, um, you know, start to take fold. And, and maybe you're putting on uh, some glasses that have a, a specific lens that may not be super clear, but it was clearer than it was before. But then you change the glasses and you keep perfecting your vision and how you look at things. And that's where opportunity comes from. Once you start looking at it that way, opportunities are going to present themselves. They, they were probably always there in the first place, but the reason why they're presenting themselves had nothing to do with the opportunity. It had to do with your vision, you, yep. how you looked at things. Yep. All right. So this is obviously we're kind of getting into some, some, I don't know, hopefully this is not too, too confusing. I guess to kind of summarize some of our thoughts today, what would they be? They would really be, I mean, really it's just, it's, it's that deposit and credit, credit and deposit. It's that banking transaction in all aspects of life. And if we take, if we take that and we apply it specifically to your finances, there are tools, there are systems, and there are strategies that will enable you to value yourself more and the money that you've earned, which is a direct symbol of what you've created in life. There are tools that you can use to protect that, preserve that, and utilize that more efficiently, which is really honoring yourself and the time that you've put into creating that value. So take it. I mean, honor yourself, create a foundation for which you can facilitate both short-term goals and long-term goals and do it more efficiently. Cool. Ryan, man, it's always awesome to have these, uh, these conversations with you. Fun stuff. This has been, uh, this has been really cool. All right, let's talk about some of the stuff that's coming down, coming down the pipe. Uh, we did a, we did a webinar a couple of weeks ago that, uh, related around the holidays and there was something, there was some, you know, kind of, I guess some similarity between what we've been talking about today in this webinar. So if you want to check that out, it's on our resources page. Um, also go back and check out some of our, uh, our previous podcasts. And, uh, I believe that, uh, that's it. So Ryan, it's awesome uh, to have you on. We'll have to have you on in the next, uh, next few weeks. We can maybe do a part due of this. Sounds good. Does that sound good. All right, everyone. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks so much for listening today. We really appreciate it. Um, also, if you like what you hear and you've, you've benefited it, uh, from it in, in some way, uh, if you, if you go on to, uh, to iTunes and give us a, a good rating and a comment, that'd be, that'd be huge for us. We're trying to get the word out. Um, our, our listenership and our, um, you know, our loyal, loyal followers, it's, it's been really awesome to hear from you and, and see your comments. And if there's topics that you ever want talked about, um, as it relates to maybe the specifics of some of the strategies that we use, uh, as well as, you know, other in investments or opportunities or, or things or doubts or questions uh, that you may have, always feel free to, uh, to email us. And so the, the email address is uh, podcast at paradigmlife.net. So that's podcast at paradigmlife.net. Also go on our website. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be up for another month and a half, I believe, and then it's going to change and it's going to be uh, kind of a cool new design. So that's going to be uh, coming out in the next uh, month and a half or so. So uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, thank you again for listening. Really appreciate your time. Hope you have a uh, you know an awesome holiday season. We'll see you here next week, but just wanted to start wishing you a holiday season. Hope yeah, a good, good spirit. Hope you had a good uh, good Thanksgiving as well. Ryan, we, we went to dinner for Thanksgiving together. We did. We pressed the easy button. That was a good exchange of value it right there. It totally was. <laughs> we right? showed up we, and uh, pressed the easy button and people brought us a lot of turkey. It was it was awesome. So that we went to, we just, as our families, we went to a, a local, not really nice hotel and 
and they had an awesome buffet. And it was totally mm. worth the hour and a half wait in line. That was. All right, everyone. Thanks. Uh, listen again, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial.